Welcome to Next Gen Movement, our sole mission to empower tomorrow's leaders by harnessing and unleashing collective wisdom, lessons and experiences of thought leaders within the community. Swish Goswami is, one, is someone who's making waves in the social impact space as an entrepreneur. With an impressive profile of having done three TEDx's, has a sneaker deal with Caseworks, an investor, he is considered one of Toronto's youngest and influential people. From being one of LinkedIn Local's original co-founders to being the CEO of TrueFan, a platform for celebrities and influencers to connect with their top fans, Swish certainly understands how to make an engaging community. So without further ado, we've got Swish with us to deep dive on his insights as our next chapter of Next Gen Movement. Welcome, Swish. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited. Likewise, man. So I'm going to jump in with the first question. Um, and it's something that I know you're deeply passionate about and it's deep, something I'm deeply passionate about and as well as the guys that I have, but it's actually about mental health. Um, for me, it is something that's meant a lot to me because I struggled a lot with it. Even today, I still tend to struggle with it um, as open I'm going to be just because sometimes the mind can play funny things on us. So self-care comes first to maintain it, but I'd love to know your perspective on mental health and why it means so much to yourself is it to do with the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial space because um things aren't as regimented as like a regular job or was it something that was really pivotal in your childhood like uh give us your insights on that mate definitely uh it's a great question i think the early impetus to start talking about mental health for me came in university um i never suffered a mental health illness on my own but I had a lot of friends that went through a pretty tough time transitioning from high school to university, um, living alone, managing your responsibilities, managing your course load, figuring out what you want to do, having parental pressure, having pressure from your society to go into something. So for me, I started realizing that one of the issues, especially plaguing young people, because social media definitely did not help mental health in any capacity, is being able to talk openly about issues that you're going through and hopefully having a community around you that's not only willing to embrace what you're talking about, but being able to also reciprocate and help you out. So I started, you know, doing a lot of volunteer work in university, joined a project called Thought Spot that was run by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto. We built an app that was able to help University of Toronto students anonymously get help, uh, as well as being able to go on an app and directly sign up for a bunch of services. So all those experiences kind of really, I think, amplified themselves when I started becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, when I started TrueFan and I started really getting deep into tech entrepreneurship, we raised money, started realizing that a lot of my days were lonely nights and that I had to go and find a tribe. I had to go and find a community that was able to relate to the problems and the issues that I was going through. So that's why I continue to talk about it is because, yes, you know, before I was a university student and mental health definitely affects university students. But I feel like even young professionals, entrepreneurs, it's something that doesn't get talked about a lot. Bro, that's awesome. Uh, Swiss Zach here. Um, mate, in doing a bit of research about you, um, you know, the more I've sort of watched, I'm, I'm just in awe of you, mate, of what you've done in such a short space. But one thing I noticed, which, which, for me, make you stand out compared to a lot of the other young kind of millennial um, 
serial entrepreneurs is there's a lot of focus around social impact um, and, and through my studies, like a, a lot of um, successful people, they sort of start to, they go down that route a little bit later in life when they've had a little bit more success. But it feels like you've kind of tried to do that whilst obviously building some pretty incredible businesses. And it looks like you just sit on, you know, a million different boards. So I'm trying to work out where you get the time. But um, <laughs> my question is, um, uh, yeah, I guess, what, what was there anything that happened in your life that kind of gave you that passion to head down that path at such a young age? I think it was debate. Um, I started debating when I was in grade seven. And when you start doing debate, you have a bunch of issues that are thrown your way and you have to start understanding both perspectives of every single issue because you might be debating the pro side um, on legalizing guns and you also might be the con side on legalizing guns, right? So the more and more issues that I started debating, especially doing it then at a high level when I joined Team Canada in high school, I started becoming cognizant of a lot of social issues around me and started thinking about small actions that I could take or that I could talk about to try to get other people to take that could potentially alleviate some of these problems on a micro level. So that's why I started charity in high school to try to get a conversation started around social issues within cities and small actions that young people could collectively take to help alleviate some of these issues. Um, and it's why even now, like you said, I, I do like putting my brand and my name and my voice on certain issues. Um, definitely am on too many boards. I agree with that. My monthly schedule sometimes is really packed up with a bunch of calls that, you know, I'm like, oh, which company was this? But for me, the two projects that I'm very passionate about right now is the League of Innovators, which I've been on the board now for a year and a half with Ryan Holmes. He started Hootsuite, and we're trying to bring entrepreneurship to the most rural areas of Canada by building a really good online course around building a company from scratch. Uh, and the second is Keo, which is a mental health app. You can go on and basically download mental health packs that have a bunch of questions, have a bunch of activities that allow you to be able to reflect on your life whether that's within a week, a day, or a month. Swish, I wanted to ask you, man, um, I, I find you know, your, your choice um, of going into debate an interesting one, given that you uh, admittedly had a speech impediment. Mm -hmm. Now, how did your speech impediment impact you as a young person? And how, what, what would you say you drew out of that in terms of learnings and strengths? Yeah. I mean, look, I don't even think about the speech impediment that much anymore. I know I still have it. Um, it definitely comes back when I'm speaking way too quickly, which happens too often sometimes. <laughs> I get really riled up and passionate and then the speech impediment comes back. But yeah, I had a lisp and it was really, really bad when I was going through grade six and seven and eight. Um, I actually think debate is a big reason why I was able to get over it uh, because I started becoming very comfortable with my voice. Debate taught me about slowing down and you know, pronouncing words properly and being able to feel confident within my own skin. Um, so yeah, I mean, for, for me, the speech impediment obviously initially was, was something that bothered me. I always was scared about what other people would think, you know, when I told them my name was ferocious or swish, like, would they think I was saying swish or would they think I was saying swish or like, you know, this type of stuff did bother me initially. But I think after I started debating and after I started speaking out, you know, once you kind of get that momentum going and you ride the wave, you know, if there are some people that still look at me in a certain way because of the impediment, I just generally don't care. Yeah. 
it's I'm glad that you've managed to push through that, man. You've managed to make that a strength of yours when people might think otherwise. So I really um, respect you for that. Um, I noticed with TrueFam, man, like you guys connecting with, um, you have Chris Ramsey. I love that guy. He's like the magician. <laughs> He's cool. He did that awesome video where he like surprised a fan. Um, uh-huh. I think you guys did a bit of work with the Raptors for the NBA finals at one point. Yep. Um, which I believe Toronto's still partying as we speak. <laughs> we, the, we, will the, we will the entire summer, I promise you. <laughs> I'm so for you guys. Um, I'm curious to know with, with how True Fans already make an impact with its being right now. Um, have you been noticing with, and I want to keep this to do with mental health, um, with the fans, uh, with the athletes themselves and those kind of influences, like, like their take on like how true fans become because there's a lot of talk where um, these days influencers and those celebrities and athletes want to get off social media, but with something like this, it wants to keep them engaged and actually keep that technology with what it was meant to be in the first place with turning people connecting on uh, online to offline pretty much. Definitely. And that's a great question. I mean, it's actually something that we're going to be announcing soon is with Keo, one of the organizations I'm an advisor for. We are announcing a partnership soon where we're going to be talking specifically about appropriate social media usage mm-hmm. uh, and trying to get a couple of the celebrities and influencers that are on TrueFan utilizing the platform to talk about it as well. But look, I think beyond beyond that, for our platform right now, it's actually pretty neat. We have more brands on board than we do celebrities and influencers. And what we've noticed is just the experiences of them giving back to their community, the experience of them rewarding a fan or giving them a discount has led to some of the biggest smiles that I've personally ever seen. Um, the Raptors video was a blessing in disguise because I am a huge basketball fan. Uh, and I would have loved to, you know, have gotten those tickets from a team that I really love, you know, like obviously I'm a Raptors fan, but growing up big, big Lakers fan. And if I ever got free tickets to an NBA final game, you know, in 2009, 2010, when they did compete, then like, holy crap, I would have lost my mind. So I think, I think, you know, yeah, it doesn't play to mental health exactly, but those smiles and those conversations, those experiences, spreading that positivity around has been just a blessing to be able to do. Swish, um, it's RJ here. And I, one, of the, one of the things that um, caught my eye when I was looking through your website was your comment about, you know, the young people today effectively becoming tomorrow's leaders, right? And, and I think that's really an important uh, space that we play in. For us, we find that, I mean, that's part of our instrumental in terms of our, our, our values and, and what we're here to do as the next-gen movement. Um, one of the things, though, is given what you've achieved in such a short time, people will tend to look at you and, and be like, well, he's extraordinary, right? He's a genius. And, and, and they may not understand that there's a lot of hard work and a lot of hours that you're not sleeping when you could be sleeping or entertaining yourself where you're actually working and grinding right i really want to understand how your your formative years your younger years what was it that helped you have such a um profound guidance system in terms of where you were going in life was it family was it did you grow up in a traditional indian household a lot of 
academic pressure? I'm just trying to understand your, yeah. your background. Definitely. Uh, I think it's a combination of a few things. I mean, look, I, I definitely wasn't born a genius in any way. Um, I, I wish I was. I, I don't think things came easy to me. I think I really had to work for them. Um, but at the same time, when I was growing up, I think I was very ambitious. So yes, I was brought up in, a, in an Indian household. My mom actually is the most flexible mom in the world. She never once forced upon me that, hey, you have to go and become a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer. Um, she's very open to letting me do whatever I wanted to do as long as I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was constantly giving back to my community and I was, you know, being able to sustain myself. So around 10 years old, 11 years old, I have books where I've written down business plans and ideas that I had. I'd, you know, lock myself in my room and pretend to give a shareholders meeting. Like I was just that kid that was very ambitious and wanting to like get my life and career started at a very young age. So I think in the progress of doing that, and then once I started, you know, not faking it, but actually doing it and starting to execute on some of the ideas that I had, I think I just started learning and learning more, meeting new people. And that was a huge, huge, huge benefit to me being able to kind of jumpstart my career a couple of years ahead than other people that might be graduating, not really knowing what they want to do and then figuring it out later. Can, can I just ask you the one question on the back of that? Where and how did you engage the resources before you had the wealth yourself? YouTube, man. YouTube. Like I, I, I still today binge watch YouTube. Like, you know, when I'm going to bed 10 p.m., I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to bed at 10 p.m. And it ends up being midnight. Yeah. I'm just on this crazy trail watching videos that range from, hey, the CEO of Kuwait, Jennifer Rubio, is talking about DTC. Oh my God, now I'm watching an Avengers Thanos video. Like, crap, how did that happen? <laughs> so for me, like early growing up, like all my content was directly from YouTube um, or it was also from movies. Bollywood movies had a huge influence on me. Um, and I think at least w from my perspective, a lot of Bollywood movies nowadays are set on very relatable themes. So procrastination and being a student and not knowing what you want to do in life yeah. and societal pressure, family pressure, like yeah. these sorts of themes are being explored more so now. So growing up, you know, just seeing inspiration within art and literature, that was kind of my medium for being able to learn all of this stuff. Awesome. And it's Zach again. Um, I'm, uh, so the question I wanted to ask was, is, is, I've got something, I guess, more pressing just on the back of that answer. And um, the so you talked about knowing, you know, from what you said, you, you had a really clear kind of vision of where you wanted to be when you were young. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, right? For someone out there that's not 14, that's maybe you know late 20s, that sort of mm -hmm. hasn't quite um, you know worked out what they want to do. Do you think it's too late or, or do you think, um, I mean, I guess what advice would you give them around trying to, um, you know, create? Because I, I think, and from observation in the entrepreneurial space, a lot of people have these great ideas, but they really lack the, the vision and, and, and I guess tools to be able to um, mm -hmm. see them out um, yep. and, and sort of work through that. Is there any advice you can give to someone around that? 
Definitely. Uh, I mean, look, like I, I don't think it's I'm never too late really to, to figure out what you want to do or how you want to pivot your life. You could be 30, 40, 50, 60. Like, you know, I've seen a lot of people that were working traditional careers until they were 55, 56, waking up to the realization of a great idea that they want to go into and, and start on their own. Um, for me, I think if I had to offer advice, knowing also that for me, quite honestly, like, yes, I know what I'm doing right now, but I don't know what I'm going to be doing in five years or 10 years or 15 years. So qualifying that answer a little bit, I think the big thing would just be to take your life and figure out what are several areas you want to impact. So for me, that was very clear off the bat. It would Bollywood, business, dance, politics, and space. Um, I don't know if those five issues are going to be things that I tackle. Um, I already know right now that I'm involved in business. Um, we are working with people within Bollywood. Um, I am constantly dancing, even though I'm not doing it professionally as a side hobby. So I'm engaging in various areas right now that I want to impact. But in three to four years, if I want to pivot to entertainment or if in 10 years, I want to pivot to politics, you know, I don't know when that's going to happen and how it's going to happen, but I know that it's going to be a deep rooted passion of mine. So I think starting off by figuring out what areas you want to impact and then go after the low hanging fruit and try something within that area, that would be my biggest piece of advice. Mm. I like that, man. I, I really like that. With um, something you said before, Swish, when you said you were and uh, giving like pretending to give shareholder, meeting, shareholder meetings at age 11, it mm -hmm. kind of reminded me of something. So we interviewed uh, Alan Gannett, a mutual friend of ours, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. Years ago. He's an absolute yep. beast. <laughs> as you probably mm -hmm. know. He is. He is. And, yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, he's great. And he, we were talking about how obviously his thing is creativity and debunking the myths of the uh, inner creative uh, of the creative genius and how we can all cultivate our, our own inner genius. And he was talking about pretty much what's called like the 10,000 duck hours. And there's like 10 years of working up. And it's funny how you're 22 now and you're doing these things at 11. So it's funny, like how you've heavily consumed yourself in that and immersed yourself in that. So that was just something I just picked up on. Obviously, yeah, no, hundred percent. Over those 10, over those 10, 11 years, you would have had probably more wisdom than some people that are only getting into it now that might be in their thirties or forties that may have only cultivated a passion around this with yeah. in, that's past the 10 year, the 10 year mark. What, what's been for yourself? Who's as Zach said, you're on several boards, you're doing a ton of things and a lot of great things. And I say that wholeheartedly, what's been the hardest thing you've had to overcome this year? Um, like, and what's the biggest lesson that came from it? Yeah, so I think the biggest challenge for, for me this year was twofold. One is uh, going from being an entrepreneur to a manager. Um, we're a team of 11 now, a true fan. And I think me thinking that my ideas, my vision is something that the company needs to listen to uh, is something that I think is naive now. We have a lot of other people that we need to listen to a lot of other people that need to be given guidance, but at the same time, I can also get guidance from them. So kind of learning to be in a collaborative workplace where yes, true fan is my baby and it's my idea, but now there are other people here that are also here to take care of it. That's been a huge challenge for me to be able to adapt to. Um, and I think the second thing, which I think I'm starting to, to obviously work on, but it's still a challenge is 
figuring out how to balance my professional life with personal life. Um, so how do you remain healthy? How do you figure out time to work out, to see friends, to play basketball? All of that type of stuff is, is things that I'm also still figuring out. Um, I'm definitely not an expert when it comes to work-life balance. Swish, look, at, at this point, man, we really, really want to thank you for your time. I mean, you're an extraordinary young man um, with a bright future ahead of you. I, I, I'm going to um, abide and, and, and watch uh, your star continue to rise, as I'm sure the rest of the team will. So we just wanted to take a moment to, to say thank you, and, and we really appreciate you for everything that you're doing, okay? Um, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. No, mate, really, really, and thank you for the time. And uh, just wanted to give you, uh, you know, 20 to 30 seconds to kind of plug anything that you have coming up, any, anything, any information as to where we can find you or any kind of cool new projects that might be on the horizon. Yeah, and nothing to plug right now, honestly. Uh, there's stuff that's going to be coming out in October, so maybe we should do it again uh, in October. That would be super fun. But yeah, let's do that. <laughs> for me, I think the biggest thing is, yeah, if you, if any of your listeners got any value from this or they want to go deeper into something around entrepreneurship or mental health or figuring things out when you're a student, feel free to reach out to me over LinkedIn, Swish Kiswami, S-W-I-S-H. I believe I'm the only Swish on LinkedIn, hopefully. Um, and you can reach out to me. I'm quite responsive, so I'll get back to you and we can have a conversation. Thanks, Swish. Awesome. No way. Hey. Sorry, Tosh. No, no, Zach, go ahead. Um, and my, uh, just customary for, for everyone on our show, um, just to ask the, uh, the final question. Um, Swish, if you could impart one piece of game-changing advice to the next generation, what would that look like? So that advice is going to be very standard initially. That advice is uh, your net worth is your network. I very much believe it. But I'll also impart a very tactical tip on how to grow your network, which is I believe that starting an interview series, um, whether that's on LinkedIn or Medium, where you write articles about other people and their story, or having a podcast is the single best thing that you could do if you're a young person. 99% um, of people in the world, in my opinion, love talking about themselves. I am exhibit A. If you're able to play to that, and you're able to message people, and instead of asking for coffee, you ask to be able to give them exposure, to provide them value up front and interview them, I guarantee you your likelihood of hearing back from them and also being able to talk to them and share your story goes, goes much, much, much higher. So just start an interview series or a podcast if you do want to grow your network because I think it's the best thing that you can possibly do at, at a young age. Brilliant, man. Thank you. Thank uh, you so much.